Hello, and welcome to Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Vib. I'm Sean, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Let's get to it. Now, this is the first of our patented hot take episodes, so the format will be slightly different. But before we get to that, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. This is the award that we will give to Sean every week. <laughs> no, to the person who had the most ridiculous and or stupid opinion in the previous episode. Yes, no, this time round, I will be wearing the shiny hat for a week. Uh, for my assertion that you can't swing a cat in the Dresden Files without hitting a starborn. I'll hold that my hands up. Punchy. I'll hold my hands up on that one and say there are a lot of starborn around. But my assertion that that's why the the outsiders are so low down in the power list was just overly strong, I think. And we can the, probably leave the, the, it there. There's that and also the fact that you said there's proof of three in the text and you proceeded to prove precisely one or two of them. True. I think I did. I have sent, since gone back and checked the text and there is proof, obviously, for Harry Dracul self-identifies as a starborn, as does uh, listens the the Fomor heavy. So I'm claiming three. Um, Just a shame that you're claiming it a week too late, isn't it? It is really, isn't it? Um, well, one of these one of these weeks we'll we'll get that hat on your head. Bear with me. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. Right, shall we get to it? Let's. So, rather than our usual brand of rating stuff we know nothing about, in a hot take, one of us will present an unusual or unpopular way of looking at a well-known fictional situation. The other will then attempt to sit quietly and let them explain their reasoning before inevitably losing their cool and the episode descending into petty name-calling. Now, as a lifelong holder of unpopular and unusual opinions, I've taken it upon myself to have the very first hot take in Expertise's overrated history. So here it is. Denethor is correct. Aragorn, son of Arathorn, has no legitimate claim to the throne of Gondor, and his crowning marks the culmination of a military coup backed by concerning assertions of racial purity. Now, I'll tell you what, this might be our very first hot take, but boy, is it a, it's a big one. I'm a little bit concerned it might also be our last hot take. Our last ever episode, in fact. <laughs> I feel like the ghost of Christopher Tolkien is going to come and shut us down. But no, stick with me here. right? Before I get really stuck in, I would just like to note that the initial idea for this episode came from a blog post I read a few years ago. The blog was titled The Illegitimacy of Aragorn's Claim. It was written by Austin Gilkerson, and I'd encourage anyone who's interested in what I'm saying to go and check that post out. It's both better researched and better written than what you're about to listen to. So, my case. I have three core reasons why I consider Aragorn's claim to be weak at best and illegitimate at worst. Firstly, the proximity in time and bloodline of Aragorn to the last king. Secondly, the overall failure of the institution of the crown in Gondor in the context of a feudal kingdom. And finally, the failure of progress that crowning Aragorn represents, which I'll call the Numenorean problem. I, I can't wait. Please, just... <laughs> Put me out of my misery and continue as fast as you possibly can. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about? Now, on the off chance that you've somehow stumbled upon this podcast and don't know what I'm talking about, I'll get, run, try and run through a brief reminder. 
Some of this will be dealt with in more detail in the body of my argument, so stay out of the comment section until we've completely finished butchering names and dates, those of you who can name every one of Aragorn's ancestors. So, sometime during the First Age of Middle-earth, Erendil the Mariner of the House of Fingolfin and the son of Tuor and Idril married Elwing of the line of Beren and Luthien, and they had two sons. For those of you who haven't read the weighty tome that is the Silmarillion, bear with me. As far as I can make out, famous people married each other and had famous kids. That's what really matters. It's sort of like the Kardashians, Middle-earth edition. Oh my god, you did not just say that. Oh. I'm not really sure, though. Popular culture okay. really confuses me. I, I said I'd make it at least five <laughs> minutes into this, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, those two sons were Elrond, who becomes known as the Half-Elven, and Elros. We will come back to Elrond as one of the masterminds of the conspiracy later. But suffice to say that at the end of the War of Wrath, when offered the chance by Manwe of living forever as Eldar and eventually passing into the West, or living and dying as a man, Elrond chose to live among the Elves, obviously, while Elros chose a mortal life. This all took place at the start of the Second Age, and as you may be aware, one of the key players in a lot of the Second Age was the island continent of Numenor. Now, Elros, together with other men who had fought in the War of Wrath against Morgoth, were installed as High Men of Numenor and granted unnaturally long life. Elros was the first king of Numenor, and all of its kings were of his bloodline. This is where things start to get really complicated, so before I dive further down this rabbit hole of insanity, any comments? No, I'm just seething quietly already, so... Perfect. I'm just, I'm just going to let you make your idiotic case, and we'll go from there, shall we? Perfect. So, the kings of Numenor. At some point, early in the Second Age, the eldest child of the Lend King, Tar Elendil, was, sadly for her, but good for everyone in a few thousand years' time, a woman, named Silmarion. Because Numenor was at that point a rousing example of alpha male-led dogma, she wasn't allowed to be king. So, she married some chap called Elatan. they had a kid, and because it turns out that her dad wasn't a total arse, he named the kid the Lord of Anduni. Follow that kid's line down, and eventually you come to Elendil the Tall, who's the father of Isildur and Anarion. Now, anyone who knows anything about the history of Middle-earth knows that Numenor was eventually buried beneath the waves by God for hubris, or being mates with Sauron, or building boats too big, or something. Accounts differ. <laughs> the only survivors of this cataclysmic tragedy were Elendil, his two sons, and their followers. They fled east and, in the mould of all western men who arrive in a new land in big boats, reached Middle-earth, stuck some flags on the ground and founded two kingdoms, Arnor and Gondor. This is about when I actually start making my case rather than just describing history, by the way, so you should start paying attention. Elendil and his sons founded two kingdoms. Arnor in the north was the chief kingdom, with the seat of Elendil in Anuminas. Isildur and Anarion together ruled Gondor in the south. A few hundred years pass, and I remember what I said earlier about unnaturally long life, and we come to the last alliance, where Elendil and his sons march with Gilglad against Barad-dûr. Elendil dies, as does Anarion, and the two realms are split. Isildur takes up the rule of Arnor, while Meneldi, the son of Anarion, takes up the rule of Gondor. I'm just going to actually pause here for a second, because these are really difficult names to say quickly. <laughs> okay. So, Elendil has died, Isildur has taken up rule of Arnor in the north, while his nephew, Meneldi, the son of Anarion, has taken up the rule of Gondor. We then wait 
for 3,000 years. During the 3,000-year period, the line of kings in Gondor fails, Arnor is splintered into three kingdoms, and then falls, and we end up with Aragorn, a male descendant of the line of Arnor, not Gondor, maybe, who can somehow claim descent all the way back to Fingolfin and Beren. Apparently. Because when you're living in the woods for a thousand years, you make sure you keep you keep strict genealogical records. The contention is absolutely ludicrous. The idea that Aragorn is entitled to the throne of Gondor, which, if his family history is to be believed, he is entitled to through the female line, when Firiel, daughter of the king of Gondor, married Arvedui, prince of Arnor, about 1,200 years before Aragorn was born, was born makes absolutely no sense. We see no evidence of the Gondorian throne passing through the female line, before or since that one marriage on which the entire claim rests. Indeed, Firiel herself presented her claim to the throne after the death of her father, and this claim was expressly rejected by the Council of Gondor in the year 1945 of the Third Age. This sets a binding precedent that the throne cannot pass through the female line. And, even if it could, that's still 1,200 years before Aragorn's claim. The modern-day equivalent would be someone claiming that they had a right to the throne of East Francia today, because they were somehow descended from Charlemagne's daughter. No, really, they are. Just check out the fancy ring they're wearing. And they're totally carrying a sword made from the fragments of Durandal. Just give them the crown and everything will be fine. It's utter nonsense. Aragorn turns up during Gondor's moment of need, when Faramir is injured and Denethor is dead after having gone completely off the deep end, and takes over by virtue of having... The only army that still works. I mean, he's useful, yes, but let's not pretend that this is legitimate. Oh my days. I'm not sure I'm going to last 15 minutes of this, but go on. You think that's bad? I am barely getting started. Oh, I, oh, uh, can, can you get a new co-host, please? <laughs> my next point is the failure of the institution of kingship. No, I'm sure... We can both agree that Gondor, in the Second Age, is a feudal kingdom. It has a king, a series of feudal lords and princes, a merchant class, and then peasants who do the work and the dying. Part of the core of a feudal kingdom is the balance of obligations that flow from the people to the king, and crucially, from the king back to the people. This to and fro of obligations has quite evidently failed in Gondor. What is it that Gandalf says when describing the last of the line of kings? Kings built tombs more splendid than the houses of the living, and counted the names of their descent dearer than the names of their sons. Childless lords sat in aged halls musing on heraldry, or in high cold towers asking questions of the stars. And so the kingdom of Gondor sank into ruin. The line of kings failed, and the white tree withered. The line of kings failed. A line of kings that fails its people quite so spectacularly as the kings of Gondor have failed Gondor is illegitimate. Gondor has no king because Gondor needs no king. The institution failed. What, you think because Irnur never came back from Minas Morgul, the council couldn't have found someone to wear the crown if they needed to? There are kingly men lying around all over Gondor. If Gondor needed a monarch, the council of Gondor could have named one whenever they wanted. I mean, you've got the line of stewards. They could have picked up the crown. There are the princes of Dol Amroth, who seem pretty fancy and popular and sort of a little bit elvish to lend the crown that sense of otherworldly superiority that everyone in Middle-earth seems so keen on. But they're never crowned. Why? Because the lords of Gondor, the stewards, the princes of Dol Amroth, the rulers of Belfast and Losnark and all of that, they all know that the line of kings failed. It failed in its duty to keep the people of Gondor safe. 
it failed in its duty to keep Gondor stable, and it failed in its duty to keep itself going. Gondor has no king precisely because Gondor needs no king. Well, um, not to interject, but I'm pretty sure I know who the Tinfoil Hat Award is going to next week. (laughs) I'm just assuming by your silence that you are stunned by this argument. But I'm not done yet. Hold on to your britches, Samwise. Stunned, seething, about to just knock on your door. (laughs) (laughs) COVID be damned, I'm coming for you. (sighs) So my final point is, as I've mentioned, what I'm going to call the Numenorean problem. This is, quite simply, that Gondor in particular, and Middle-earth as a whole, has a serious hang-up on the First and Second Age. Nowhere is this more clear than in all the allusions made by characters throughout the series to the blood of Numenor. The cornerstone of Aragorn's claim, the cornerstone of Imrahil's nobility, hell, even the cornerstone of Denethor's rule, is that they have some Numenorian blood. Numenor. This is a land so decadent, it was sunk beneath the waves by God. An island that gave succour to Sauron and held him close in council. A people so overcome with their own importance that they cut down Nimloth, a gift of the Valar, to burn in a temple where they practice human sacrifice to Morgoth. Why on earth is this a bloodline that's held up as so noble? That's like saying someone today should be king of Ukraine because they're descended from Genghis Khan's noble bloodline. Elrond tells us that the blood of Numenor is all but spent, its pride and dignity forgotten. What pride, I ask? What dignity? What does the blood of Numenor have to be proud of? Now, sure, you could say Elendil and his sons don't do that. They were the good guys. As Yoda would say to that, shitball. They flee Numenor, wash up on the shores of Middle-earth as basically refugees, and plead for help. Right? That's what they do. They integrate with the people existing there and use their knowledge, wisdom, expertise, and unnatural long life to improve the lives of everyone. Of course it isn't. They rock up and declare themselves kings and set themselves above everyone else by virtue of what? Their shiny swords, fancy scepters, and snazzy rings? And we're meant to believe that these are the good guys? And who's sitting behind all of this? Who stands to gain? Who's really pulling all the strings in Middle-earth? Elrond. I told you we were coming back to him eventually. You thought I lied, didn't you? Oh, ye of little face. That's I was, right. I was, I was really hoping you were lying, yes. <laughs> Elrond. Brother to Elros, the first king of Numenor. He shelters the chieftains of the Dúnedain after the fall of Arnor. He practically raises Aragorn, grooms him, some might say. He hands him the trappings of power, points him at the White City and says, Go be a king. Who tells us that Aragorn is the heir of Isildur? Elrond does. Who promises us that Anduril is really forged from the shards of Narsil? Elrond does. Who sets the world on a path to conflict, on a path that ends with the deaths of Boromir, a beloved son of Gondor, and the crowning of Aragorn, an absolute fucking nobody? Elrond does. He uses Gondorian fascination with a failed state to pull off the ultimate bait-and-switch. After the deaths of Boromir and Denethor, the rule of Gondor should go to Faramir by right. He knows the people. He's fought for his country. He's shown to be wildly popular, and he ends up marrying the soon-to-be king of Rohan's sister, cementing one of the most crucial in Middle-earth for... (sighs) Yeah, damn right you you struggle with the sentence. Oh, I'm so angry right now. (laughs) Cementing one of the most crucial alliances in Middle-earth for generations to come. But no, 
that doesn't fit with Elrond's master plan, because Elrond hasn't had the chance to get his grubby little mitts stuck into Faramir. Instead, Elrond ensures that his foster son ascends to the throne, marries his daughter, on which Ick, and ushers in an age of stagnation, which is exactly what the elves of Middle-earth want. Yes, that's right, you heard me. What the elves want. The Third Age of Middle-earth lasts for more than 3,000 years. During that time, the only technological advancement that we see is opposed by the elves. The labours of Saruman, granted a slightly problematic visionary, are decried as heresy and blasphemy by precisely the Luddites they are designed to supplant. The elves of the Third Age have no aptitude for technological innovation. Their skills, such as they are, rest in creating pale imitations of the works of their predecessors. But, because of a long-running conspiracy to unduly venerate the blood of Numenor, thanks to its proximity to legendary and apocryphal heroes of the First Age, Elrond and his ilk are able to continue their unchallenged mastery of the so-called free peoples of Middle-earth. Elrond's grandson ends up on the throne of Gondor, and Elrond gets to retire smugly to the Undying Lands, having secured his legacy. And all this is because Gondor was too willing to accept Aragorn as king, because he had a drop of Numenorean blood. Oh, and yeah, it turns out actually I have four points. Let's say for the sake of argument, although it's definitely not the case, that the last king of Arnor was a 100% pure-blooded Numenorean. Aragorn is the 16th chieftain of the Dúnedain, which means that his blood is, by my maths, not point not not three percent Numenorean. Lots of Numenorean women out there in the wilderness, are there? Bullshit. He's less Numenorean than you are. Anyway, that's uh, my I, case. Uh, are you quite done? Only my conclusion. Aragorn has no legitimate claim. His claim falls through lack. His claim fails through lack of proximity to the last king. His claim fails through lack of legitimacy of the throne itself. And his claim fails through lack of integrity for the case of Numenorean supremacy. Your thoughts, sir? Um, I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for listening to... Yeah, thank you for listening. And there's not really much more I can say to that. And uh, You've actually rendered me speechless with this level of heresy, stupidity, and just misunderstanding of literally everything. Quite good, isn't um, it? Well, I mean, yeah, well presented. It's a good case. It, it, you know, good is very is <laughs> a very loose description. I think. I I, I don't know where to start. Um, I, I I really really don't. I mean, would you like? I mean, to I mean you also you also end? just you, you also just swung at Elrond for absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will concede that about halfway through writing this yesterday evening in a sort of what I can only assume to be stroke of creative genius I just discovered that he was sort of sitting there pulling the strings behind everything I just I just, it just I mean it, I think the writing I think came to me what's actually happened there is that Sauron of the Deceiver has got to you and has somehow thought you know, someone planted the thought in your head that Elrond is to blame for everything oh, in the same way that he got to Numenor exactly wait hold on yeah, but, I mean, first of all, Elrond, a third age elf? He's from the first age, for crying out loud. Yeah, but he's living in the first age. And in the third is he age. around in Middle-earth by the time his grandson becomes the um, king of Gondor? No, no but he knows not. it's going to happen. 
He doesn't give a damn. He just wants to see Middle-earth left in capable hands, and he knows Aragorn because, you know, as you say, he groomed him from a very young age. He's a competent man. Wouldn't you want to leave the most empower- most powerful kingdom in the world, well, in Middle-earth at least, in the hands of a competent man? I, I would. Before I fucked off to paradise, I think that that's, you know, it's a pretty nice thing to do. No, you see, this is just the Numenorean-centric viewpoint that you've had fostered down your throat by the elven hegemony. We know what's nothing. it got to do with Numenor? It's got fuck all to do with Numenor. It's, no. got, the, it's got everything to do with the fact that Aragorn, from, from all accounts, or by all accounts rather, is a good man. Good men don't make good kings. Says who? George R. R. Martin. Oh, right. oh yeah, he's he's an expert. Oh my <laughs> days. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. So Aragorn is a good man. So is Boromir. So is Faramir. Why is Aragorn any better? Because Boromir worse. is dead, and well, Faramir, other than Boromir being dead, and there's also probably an argument about how good a man Boromir. How is. about because the people decree that he is? Gondor isn't a democracy. Oh, oh so now, the so now what the people say doesn't matter. That's not what I said. No, you, you did. I mean, it might be what I said. It's not what I meant. <laughs> um, okay, if, so. if, if, if the choice was given to them, say, you know, you can have Faramir, who's from a long line of stewards, as we all know, because we were all here for it. Or you can have Aragorn, this guy. And they say Aragorn. You know, what does that tell you? It tells me that they've been hoodwinked by a long-running conspiracy of elves and Istari. Hoodwinked by what? The assertion that Aragorn is better by virtue of having Numenorean blood. That's the cornerstone of his case. Absolute nonsense. I mean, before I get into all the arguments about the tree coming back to life and the hands of healing and the fact that he literally frees Gondor from Sauron's you know, invasion... Um, I think there is one excerpt that I I think is very relevant from The Return of the King. You may have heard of it. I don't know if you've read the books. Based based on your case for the past 15 minutes, I dare say you haven't. <laughs> um, but but bear with me while I while I walk you through this. So this this happens in the chapter called The Steward and the King, which I think is quite appropriate. <laughs> um, and in my copy, this is on page 945, uh, which I imagine is true for everyone. I don't actually know how pages work. <laughs> Let's just say that it's page 945 for everyone. Um, so, so essentially, Aragorn and, and the captains of the West returned from a victorious battle, uh, which, again, you may remember if you've read the books. And actually, you've, you've watched the film, so at least you do know that that happens. So this is after the victory uh, at the Black Gate? After the victory. And of course, in the books... Uh, a lot of time is spent on Faramir and, and his budding relationship with Eowyn, and he's he's in the Houses of Healing, injured. Strategically pivotal relationship. Strategically pivotal Pit relationship. Beha- behaving sure. as, a, as a king should. <sighs> read your quote. Oh, read your quote. Already I'm looking at the, 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 the words, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer, but that's not what I wanted to, to read. So, Faramir met Aragorn in the midst of those there assembled, and he knelt and said, The last steward of Gondor begs leave to surrender his office. And he held out a white rod, but Aragorn took the rod and gave it back, saying, That office is not ended, and it shall be thine and thy heirs as long as my line shall last. Do now thy office. Then Faramir stood up and spoke in a clear voice, 
Men of Gondor, hear now the steward of this realm. Behold, one has come to claim the kingship again at last. Here is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, chieftain of the Dunedain of Arnor, captain of the host of the west, bearer of the star of the north, wielder of the sword reforged, victorious in battle, whose hands bring healing, the elf stone, Elisar of the line of Valandil, Isildur's son, Elendil, Elendil, son of Numenor. Shall he be king and enter into the city and dwell there? And all the host and all the people cried, yea, with one voice. Oh yeah, so Faramir knows which way is the wind blowing, uh, knows which way the wind is blowing, and offers the guy with an army the crown that he could take anyway. This is don't claim that that makes it legitimate. That's as legitimate. No, as... no, my my real claim for reading this out is that he's got more titles than anyone in the George R. R. Martin novel, <laughs> which must mean it's legitimate. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> no, I mean, Aragorn leaves for the Black Gates and says he will not enter Minas Tirith again unless he is crowned king. And he quite clearly leaves it up to the people, leaves it up to Manwe, because ultimately Manwe decides all of this anyway. Or perhaps he does leave it up to Elrond and his schemes. But really? whatever We're... the case, he gambles. He doesn't say, I am king, I will take the crown and fuck all of you. That's what you get from... I won't re-enter Minas Tirith unless you crown me. That sounds like that's a threat. Abs- that's a threat. That's, that's not crown cry- oh. me, or I'm taking my army and I'm fucking off somewhere else. I'll but go the be army is Rohan. it's Minas Tirith army. Armies follow. They the could men easily. Who lead s- them. Yeah, Faramir could have stepped up and said, "Actually, Aragorn, I disagree with you, mate." No, no, he couldn't. Not in that circumstance. Aragorn's got a magic fucking sword and a big fucking army behind him. You don't know do he's got a magic sword. Andoriel is imbued with elvish illusion magic to make it uh, look special. Andoriel is a fallen angel. I think you mean Andoriel. I mean, they're... Yeah, Screw you've just lost all credibility, haven't you? Screw you. you. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a fallen angel at Yeris Beck and Call, we all know that he would have power on par with an angel. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't get the tinfoil award. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. No, so so my my counter argument is obviously Aragorn is a good guy. Everyone knows this. Everyone can clearly see it. One of the first things he does is heal literally everybody who's in the houses of healing who needs it. Before he's even arrived, the tree you know, the sacred tree blooms again so it's, it's quite clear a, that this that guy is special thing he, he has good timing That's oh, not oh seasons that happen to just coincide with men of Numenor arriving I mean come on Have or it's a weird Numenorian biologically tree. engineered tree to bloom whenever there's someone with Numenorian blood around yeah, and he, he has the Numenorian blood, therefore. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that Numenorian blood is is sufficient. I also, I just... mean, and and you say and you say that the line of kings failed, yep. which you're gonna have to explain to me in a bit more detail. But equally, the line of stewards has clearly failed because the king arrives just in time to save them from annihilation, which happened to just occur while Denethor was in charge. There has and the line of stewards. Need I remind failed. you as well that. The whole argument about, oh, how do we know that he's related to all these people? What do you mean, how do we know? Elrond was there for all of it. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, Elrond was there. Well, good. I'm relieved that the guy who I've already shown to be a manipulative little shit is telling us everything is okay. That makes me very The manipulative shit calls someone else a manipulative shit, and we're supposed to believe (laughs) you. 
I mean, come on. He was there. He could have documented all of the births. He could have. He might have been the bloody midwife. How do you know? He could have just made it up. Well, even so. No one was disagreeing with him. You're telling me it's a coincidence that his daughter marries Aragorn? He's it's a power play. He's effectively the kingmaker. Putting it, I, I, I don't know why you think that pointing out that Elrond tells us that it's okay is a good thing. I mean, Elrond's a wise, wise elf. So if, he if... tells us, and so people who want you to listen to Elrond tell us. Uh, you're just descending into lunacy now, aren't you? Maybe. I've been looking at uh, these <laughs> notes for a long time. I mean, fine, yes. Elrond could be hoodwinking everyone, for whatever reason, just to install his daughter on the throne of, of men that he doesn't really care about that much, let's be honest. He finally uh, one-ups his brother. Maybe it's that. What do you mean one-ups, finally one-ups his brother? Maybe, I don't know, but, you know, Numenor is a big deal for most of the Second Age. It's remembered with great fondness, for some reason, because... I don't know, history My history goodness. failed. My Maybe goodness. Elrond's got a massive chip on his shoulder for the fact that he made the wrong choice. Maybe he thinks, oh, if I'd chosen a mortal life, I'd have founded a line of kings as famous as the one that Elros founded. I is, don't know. Is, is Elrond not the High King of the Noldor after Gil-galad dies? I, I think technically, but I yeah, don't think it's a post that matters anymore. So so he thinks, oh, I'm the High King of all the most important beings in Middle-earth. What I really need yeah, now... All the most important Noldor aren't in Middle-earth anymore. Yeah, that doesn't matter though, does it? Yeah, but it, then being High King of four people isn't that big a deal. Being High King of four elves, I think, is. I... No. Anyway, I mean, I'd, I'd have believed you more if you'd also said that uh, Galadriel was involved in the meddling. Because my God, does she do some? Well, I sort of assumed that that was so, that was so implicit. Meddling. It's it's but really, ultimately it's really just the White Council. I've sort of Elrond is a is a stand-in because he's the major peace mover that we see. But it's all of them. Yeah, not not to mention you didn't even say that Gandalf the White, the the wizard who could potentially kill everyone in Minas Tirith, for all we know, puts the crown on his head. Um, well, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you celebrate if a being of that much power was saying, rule this guy and I'll leave you alone? Let this guy rule you and I'll leave you alone? I, if yes. Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Elisar, etc, 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 rocked up and said, I want to be king, I'd be like, yes, please. By all means. You well, seem so, like a worthy king. So would I, but that's not the point. <laughs> It's oh, entirely is, the point, because the people decree this is, that he should we, be their king. This isn't, would we let Aragorn be king? Because he's got like a six-foot-long sword. I'd let him do whatever he wants. It's, does he have a legitimate claim? Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. <laughs> he has a legitimate claim, because he arrives, the tree, the tree blooms, he's a healer, and everybody seems to remember that that's a big thing. The that, steward that feels... of Gondor himself... Who apparently you think you know the steward should be in charge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The steward offers A to resign, and B then says, "Maybe you should be the king." And then people agree. So, even if Aragorn did not have a legitimate claim the minute he stepped foot in Gondor, which is absolutely ludicrous anyway, because he did, because he's the bloody king of Gondor, the steward of Gondor offers him 
kingship. I'm not thereby not giving sure. him a claim. I'm not sure it's within the purview of the steward to just give the crown to. Oh, oh, so now the steward isn't allowed to be in charge either. Well, no, I think I think that really what should have happened is that a council should have been called. Oh, the, maybe the council should have been headed by, uh, say, Elrond. No, Elrond he's, he's has, pretty he's pretty good when it comes to heading councils. Elrond has no say in the council of Gondor. Uh, I think the same I mean, council that expressly passed over the founding principle of Aragorn's claim to the throne of Gondor. No, if Aragorn were running around in the woods up north saying, I'm king of Arnor, maybe I'd pay attention, right? But no, he doesn't. He doesn't think, oh, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll get some men together. We'll start to rebuild some of the cities in, you know, Eriador. And, and and pull back together the the shambling civilization that my forefathers let fall into ruin. He doesn't do that. He rocks up at a finished civilization, Gondor, and says, "I'll have that. Thank you very much." Well, that's because he happens to be there. Because oh wait, he's saving it from an evil invasion force. Technically, I would argue that that is the Riders of Rohan that do that. Uh, well, I think you're doing Aragorn and his companions a great disservice. I mean, yes, of course, Rohan does. More than their fair share. After, let's not forget, also sort of agreeing that he is probably the king of Gondor. I, I yeah, just, so he turns I just, up I just don't an... even know what to do with you anymore. <laughs> he turns up with a foreign army that wants to put him on the throne. That doesn't help. Well, okay, case. but let's, let's put it this way then. If <laughs> it's a foreign if, coup, if the people were like, mm, we don't really know who you are, mate. Um, I'm not really sure about all this. Do you not think he has at least enough grounds for a Casus Belli for the king, of, the kingdom of Gondor, to declare no. war and take it forcefully? Of course he does. No, he doesn't. And you know why he does? Because all the bloody elves of Middle Earth would be on his side. That's not Casus Belli. Look, and I'm you know what? They could no, no. probably take Gondor at the end of it all. Shut up for a second and let me talk. I've played CK two and CK three. I know that an unpressed claim dies in the grandchild, right? If Aragorn were going to have a legitimate causes belli for the throne of Gondor, each of his forefathers would have had to have declared war on Gondor. Yeah, maybe they all did. What? Uh-huh. And, 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 and then Gondor is happy with him taking the throne, despite the fact that they've been belligerents for the last yeah, 1,200 years. Yeah, because he years. is literally badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that being badass was adequate to be king. Well, what what about have, have the you not seen time? Queen Elizabeth II? I mean, okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But what what about the problem of time? What about the the the, the problem of time is it's not a problem because you have immortal elves like Elrond who are there to document everything. But that's that's not my my point. I, the the throne doesn't exist for twelve hundred years. Okay, it sits empty in the in the hall of the steward or what have you. But it's it's not a a position anymore. It's like someone, as I said, it's like someone. Yeah, but that's, that's. I mean, that's absolutely fine. In which case, power surely rests in the steward. And as I've said, the steward decides to just make a king but again. The, the steward doesn't have the power to put an institution. Oh above no, but that. you can't. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Watch me. Well, yeah. Well, no, no, no. This, <laughs> this, this is this is a legitimate piece of constitutional theory, though. The the Supreme. Oh, but constitutional has... theory in the UK does not apply to Middle Earth, does it? Well, Tolkien wrote in the UK, so I'm going to say it's the best thing that we've got. Parliament. Yeah, he, cannot... he also wrote during the time of the war. <laughs> 
and <laughs> I don't. I mean, I that's I did, true. I, I did particularly like. Relevant. I did particularly like some of your points about how um, you know no one was there to say, "Oh, yes, that guy is related to Charlemagne," which obviously uh, is undone. As I've said many times now, by Elrond having genuinely been there and probably knowing more about any of it. And let's be honest, Gandalf probably was there at that time, wasn't he? Yeah, but there was he with Earth back it. then. Uh, he arrives during the yeah, but let's be honest. If Gandalf is in on it, that means Manwe is in on it, and if Manwe wants it, Manwe gets it. Really? Because that that would imply that Gandalf does nothing, and therefore the by extension the Istari do nothing but at the urging of Manwe. In Absolutely. which, in counterpoint, I give well, you well, no, not not, not necessarily Manwe, but by the urging of the Valar. And it just so happens that Alorin or Gandalf is probably Manwe's man. Again, I give you Saruman. Yeah, who was probably not Manwe's man, was he? No, maybe he was, he was uh, Melkor's. No, he was Aule's man, uh, as was Sauron before the, before Sauron was uh, yeah. Melkor's. But he started know, off like that. <laughs> the um, the but no, but the. I don't. I don't think that you can just assert that because Gandalf wants it, Manwe wants it. Because that means that because Saruman wants it, Ole wants them to chop down Fangorn and create Urukai. And one assumes that's not true. Else, you know, Manwe and Ole it need probably to have isn't, words. But, yeah, but ultimately, yeah, if Ole wants that, that's all good and well because Manwe will tell him to fuck off. <laughs> Uh, or or so, worse, he creates a species of bloody dwarves and gets told off by his dad. <laughs> <laughs> I did also like your assertion that Numenor was sunk by God. Yeah, uh, no, that I, was, I... That was quite a big one. Eru <laughs> uh, Iluvatar is is God. Right? That Can we, can we all agree on that? No, I'm not is sure that, is, that con- is that contentious? He's he's probably the, the the big one, the big god. But are you saying Manwe is not a god? Are we saying that they're angels? I I think I. And are we saying that Morgoth saying... is a fallen angel? And are we saying that Morgoth is actually probably arguably stronger than all the other angels combined? I think. I think we might think be we saying, saying all of those things, but <laughs> sadly, this isn't the Dresden Files, so your bad theories don't matter. <laughs> Um, but, no, but, I think the final thing I wanted to, to touch on, because okay. it actually genuinely does interest me, is is explain in detail the failure of the line of kings. Fail, explain in detail the failure of the line of kings. Well, <sighs> the oh, instant, you weren't ready for that one, were you? I, I, I sort of just assumed it was self-evident. It is a necessary component of a feudal monarchy that the feudal line... that the, the, the monarchy Oh, but here we go. The feudal monarchy, well, you know, we're not living in the real world here. This is a high fantasy. Sure, but it's still... There's no political theorem here. Of course there you're, is. You're asserting it's feudalism. It, I mean, they have peasants and merchants and lords and kings. If it's not feudal, what is it? Whatever weird system happens to exist in Middle Earth. <laughs> okay, you keep reaching, you keep grasping for those straws. Um, no, in order for any form of political institution to have some form of legitimacy, its first order of business must be the preservation of its own existence. Right? Yep, sure. 
And therefore, a line of kings that fails to do that has failed in, in its first order of business. And it does fail to do that. We no, it doesn't. We do, we see, is there a king sitting on the throne of Gondor when Aragorn that's, comes but to that's, claim but it? That's, but that's not the duty of the king, is it? To, no, to it maintain is. The, to, to ensure that there is a king. No, the duty of the king is to ensure that there is a country. Heir and a spare. And is there a country? The most important duties of a monarch are to produce an heir and a spare. Right? Why? Because the continuity of the line but they is have, the most important Because Aragorn thing. is quite clearly the no, heir. No, no, he just not. happens to not reside in Gondor for most and of his not life. actually be related to the last king. No, but but f- say that they failed at their duty is absolutely moronic because Gondor still very much exists by the time Aragorn rocks up. So the kings did in fact not fail. In fact, they did exactly what they were no, supposed I, to do. I, I'm not having that. They absolutely failed for the simple no, they, reason they, that they failed. There. They failed to be kings. Gondor as a polity continued. Yes, Gondor as a political institution um, does continue. But that proves that the existence of a of a king is not a necessary component of the Gondorian political institution. No, that it doesn't prove that because in fact what might have happened is had they sta- like stayed on the throne physically Gondor may have ended. In fact no, no. maybe they were so wise as to realize they need to step away. Let the stewards fuck it up. Let Sauron ha- give Sauron the opportunity to rise up and invade, and then the king will come back in, and all will be well, <laughs> as in fact it happens to, you know, to end. <laughs> okay, you've actually broken me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> they were so wise that they knew. They, they, they were so wise. They were so. You know what? Let, let's let's. I'll I'll make it even sweeter for you, right? In their wisdom. The old kings of Gondor, uh, immediately after Isildur's death, went to Elrond and said, you know what, we're a little concerned. We think that by staying here as kings, Gondor will end and we will fail in our line of duty. And so they, they sat down with Elrond and he said, you know what, guys, just chill out in the north. Become the Dunedain. And when the time is right, you will make a triumphant return. Sauron will be overthrown. And... My daughter will marry the next king. She's sitting over and there. All will be well. <laughs> yeah, there, there she is. There's Arwen. Just, it, just get all your sons down here, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick the right one. Except that you've, among other things, conflated the line of Gondor with the line of Arnor, and this is a thing that happens so often. I'm not disputing that Aragorn is probably the rightful heir to the dead kingdom of Arnor. He probably is. It wasn't the kings of Gondor who became the Dúnedain. It was the kings ah, of the Isildur and Narion. It's all the same. Because <laughs> uh, I, I mean, let's not forget that they they marry into their families again at some point. So yes, you know. at, at precisely one point. <laughs> at precisely one point. Good old uh, Arvidui. What a great name that is. The names in this were an absolute nightmare. And I think what this this episode really nicely highlights is just how messed up the family trees are, right? I know, it all right. It all starts, as you said, with Elrond and Elros, and then there's a thousand... Well, not a thousand, but there's, there's a hell of a lot of descendants of Elros. Yeah, and they meet when Aragorn and Elrond's bloody daughter get together. It's it's absolutely ludicrous. It's 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 ridiculous. I, what it does mean, though, is if, El, if Aragorn's bloodline is... Right, and 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 they were keeping strict genealogical records. Um, their kid, right, Eldarion, 
has basically the best blood. Because he's got all oh, of yes. Aragorn's like Elros-ness, which is apparently good because we like Numenor. Um, and he's also got like Arwen's proximity to uh, Beren and all of them. But also, Arwen's mum was Galadriel's daughter. So he's like four generations away from Finway. It's yes. insane! Yes. <laughs> He's four yeah. generations away from Finway's. What is he? He's well, both Ar- four. Yeah, Ar- and I mean, Arwen is one, generations two, away three. from Finway. I mean, Ar- Arwen's like three or four generations away from Fingolfin as well, isn't she? Uh, yes, and of course. Through... And of course, um, uh, Fingol through... is in there as well. So, yeah, exactly. And, and they, they and do Amaya, okay, right? In exactly, uh, Melian. Melian. So Eldarion is going to have quite the. And quite honestly, this is the main argument for, you know, you can wrongly assert that he has no claim on the throne, and for the record, yes, it is wrong. Look, I think... But either way, who wouldn't want him on the bloody so, throne? So I, I, I think that that is the strongest ca- argument against my case, is, is actually Arwen. It's, yeah, Aragorn probably has very watered-down Numenorean blood, but he does seem to have something a little bit special about him. But more than that, look how excellent his kid is going to be. We're going to have the best king after him ever. So so you're saying that one of the main problems with Aragorn's claim is Elrond, and one of the main strengths of Aragorn's claim is Elrond. Yep. Well, on that bombshell, <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we can probably draw this one to a close. I think we can go no further. Um, thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've, I've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. Feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com, or tweet us at zero expertise. Absolutely. And if you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Now, in our next episode, we will recount the history of the Warhammer universe in 15 minutes. Or, well, knowing us, uh, probably about 50 minutes, in fact. But, um, you know, <laughs> get ready for all of that and nonsense.